going to talk a little bit about love today. So we're going to start with a little song called Put On Love. There'll be words up on the wall, and you're welcome to sing along with that if you can find those words. There they are right there. Put on love. together put on love in perfect unity put on love wear it for each other for each other put on love fill your cup with kindness let patience overflow like a stream of gentle ever-living water everywhere you go put on love it binds all things together put on love in perfect unity put on love wear it for each other for each other put on Let compassion be your guide. Then walk together side by side on an earth forgiven, ever forgiving, faithful to the end. Put on love, it binds all things together. Put on love, in perfect unity, put on love. Wear it for each other, for each other, put on love. Good morning. Good to see you all. If I had better stage hands, I could have come in like Mary Poppins. Thank you, Carl. Thank you, Ron. Thank you, Sheila. Put on love. Is it bad uh, luck to have an umbrella on? Uh, open in the, inside the sanctuary here? But when I crawled under the ladder, walked under the ladder to get here, I thought about it. But anyway. Good to be together, amen? amen? So I wonder, could we all get in under this umbrella and somehow be protected? Well, maybe in pre-pandemic days, but it's hard to social distance. But imagine us all coming in underneath this umbrella to be safe. And then imagine for a moment that maybe there was an umbrella and we could take all the teachings of the law and the prophets and Jesus and just kind of pull it all in under this umbrella. Wouldn't that be neat? Let's see if we can do that. We put this right here as a reminder of that conversation. And if it's comfortable for you, I would invite you to stand. We welcome you, and we welcome all who are streaming from across the country, across the state, across the island. Welcome to you as well. 
we are gathered here in this holy place, in God's house. We are gathered in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We lift our voices now in song, a great opening hymn of the church, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Christ have mercy, the curie eleison. is a very simple song prayer 
Change my heart, O God. Lord be with you. Let us pray. Gracious Lord God, we give you thanks for inviting us to worship. We have come in various stages of health and brokenness. We have come to offer our prayers and to dine side by side on bread and wine. Send your Holy Spirit that we might have open hearts open minds, and the grace to see that the table of the Lord must be opened to all. We pray in the name that is above all other names, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I would invite you to be seated. This morning's reading is from the third chapter of Colossians. As God's chosen one, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves in compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. The word of the Lord.
I told you lately that I love you? Have I told you there's no one else above you? Fill my heart with gladness. Take away my sadness. Ease my troubles, that's what you do. For the morning sun in all its glory greets the day with warmth and comfort too. Fill my life with laughter. You can make it better. Ease my troubles, that's what you do. There's a love that's divine. And it's yours and it's mine, like the sun. At the end of the day, we should give thanks and pray to the one, to the one. Have I told you lately that I love you? Have I told you there's no else above you fill my heart with laughter you can make it better ease my troubles that's what you do That's what you do. Take away my sadness, fill my heart with gladness, ease my troubles. That's what you do. Fill my heart with gladness, take away all my sadness, ease my troubles. That's what you do. Sunday morning with us. Uh, Kevin sang the early service too, and and I'm you know I, I'm Kevin. I'm just so touched, so touched. You'd sing that song to me. 
I mean, we've always been close, but you know, if it weren't for this COVID thing, I'd come right over there and give you a big hug. <laughs> but I love you, brother. Love you. It's a great introduction. It's a great introduction that Carl also gave us in that prelude about love. You know, he put all those things side by side, and I think that God is likely to break right in here, break right in here this morning and have a special word for us this morning. The sermon title this morning is The Command and the Choice. And both are equally important for us to understand. As we go back to the illustration that we started of, of this umbrella and trying to bring the teachings of Jesus and the people of God underneath that umbrella. The command and the choice. This morning, we are going to receive a command from Jesus, and we're going to be given a choice. Which would you prefer in your life? Do you like to be commanded? Commanded to do something? To, commanded to go somewhere or to act in a certain way? You know, a command is not really an invitation. It's not really a recommendation Moses did not come down off of Mount Sinai with 10 recommendations for the people of Israel. No, a command is more. If one in authority gives a command, the expectation is that that command will be followed. Mark Cook's with us today, chaplain in the U.S. Navy for the past 12 years. He could tell you the military has commanding officers. And if you disobey a command, that will land you in trouble, or perhaps even in the brig. This morning, we're going to be looking at a command from one with authority, none other than the rabbi from the Galilee, Jesus. And it should be noted that Jesus rarely commanded anything. But this morning, he does. It's not a parable. No, this is not a cute story. It's not an object lesson. It is not a teaching that can be easily ignored. What is it? It's the greatest commandment. And how important is it? Jesus tells us that everything hangs in the balance on this one. It is the greatest commandment. And the Apostle Paul, as he reflected on the teachings of Jesus, wrote these words. The whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now I'm going to challenge you maybe when you get home from this sermon, if you remember it. <laughs> if not, watch it online. But I want to encourage you to go home. I want you to write that down on a piece of paper. You might take a Sharpie and write it very creatively. You shall love your neighbors yourself. Then what I want you to do with it, I want you to write it on a piece of paper. Then I want you to tape it on your bathroom mirror. So when you get up in the morning to brush your teeth or shave or get ready for the day, the first thing you do is you look directly into that piece of paper that reminds you of your calling for that day. You see, Christianity is not complicated and it need not be complicated the stories of jesus the miracles the foot washing the healings they all bear witness to this same truth 
And you could say that for the teachings of the Apostle Paul, the teachings of Martin Luther, Desmond Tutu, Martin Luther King Jr. They all bear witness to a very simple truth. Christianity is not at its core very complicated. But sometimes religious people like to make it complicated. Sometimes the teachings of Jesus get bogged down in the brain of intellectuals. Theology, predestination, eschatology, heaven and hell, creation theories, fascinating areas of study, yes, interesting, perhaps, distractions, probably. Christianity at its core is not an intellectual endeavor Christianity need not be complicated. It is a movement of love fueled by grace. In this greatest commandment, Jesus tried to boil it down and make it simple. You see, Judaism had kind of wandered away from the most basic tenets of God's revelation. Religious people tend to do that. With each generation, everything gets more complicated when it was never meant to be complicated to begin with. Judaism had lost its way. The children of God were, in Jesus' day, burdened. They were burdened with endless laws, laws that were written with good intention, but they had become millstones around the necks of the common people. There were six 112 religious laws in Jesus' day. Endless, endless regulation, silly interpretations. An individual trying to keep all of these laws was left with little time to do anything else. Little time to actually love. And life was anything but abundant. People of faith became scorekeepers trying to keep their own score to see how they were doing, seeing if they would measure up, keeping score also, not just of themselves, but also of their neighbors, watching their neighbors, noting their success and failures, and then comparing themselves to others. Self-righteous and judgmental religious people keeping score. i got to tell you, folks, that is not a recipe for abundant life. 612 laws, commandments. The Jewish faith had moved from 10 commandments to 612 commandments. Now, I'm guessing that most of us here, if I gave you a piece of paper and a pen and said, uh, could, go ahead and write down the 10 commandments in order, please. It might be a bit of a challenge. Some of you would probably do fine, but... I'm guessing if I gave you that same piece of paper and said, would you please write down the 612 commandments in order? Yeah, and we wouldn't have a chance, would we? Okay, so this is kind of the backdrop. We enter the story now. Jesus is about to encounter religious people, and here's the story. When the time was right, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. He said, teacher, which commandment in the law... 612, which commandment in the law is the greatest? And Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. It's the greatest commandment. Everything we need to know comes under 
that umbrella. A simple verse. We are commanded to love God. Who do we love? We love the one who gave us life. The one who gave us breath. To love God who is defined in the Bible. How? As love. God is love. And we are commanded to love God. The one who loved us first. You see, it all starts with God. It starts with the realization that this life and every blessing of this life and every blessing of this world has come to us as a gift, pure gift from God. God loves us, and we are then in turn commanded to love God. It starts there. Oh, but it doesn't end there, does it? Why doesn't it end there? Because, you know, loving God is a rather nebulous concept, is it not? We need some more practical application for our lives. I mean, how is it that we love God? What could I possibly do? What could I possibly offer to the master of the universe, the one who owns and created everything? What could I, a mere mortal, offer to God? So Jesus was not quite done with this lawyer who had asked the question to test him. For the greatest commandment would be closely followed by an equally important second commandment. In fact, the two cannot be separated. Jesus said the second commandment is like the first. You must love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang everything, all of the teachings of the law and all of the teachings of the prophet, right there underneath the umbrella. Now, both of these commandments are difficult, but let's be honest. It's a lot easier to love God, isn't it? I mean, it's a lot easier to love God than our neighbor, right? God may disappoint us sometime. We may wish that God would show up more often or answer our prayers more the way we would like them. Having said that, God does not play loud music in the middle of the night next door to us. God does not let her dog poop in our yard. And God does not park a junk car in front of your house. And God does not plant trees that will block your view of the container ships in Home Harbor. And God does not raise a ruckus at a school board meeting or pitch a fit about wearing a mask or about saying the Pledge of Allegiance. Now, loving God is a standalone commandment? It's pretty easy because it has no practical application. I maintain that loving God is easy. What's really difficult is loving that brother of yours. You know the brother, the one who can't be bothered to help with your parents. Or loving that daughter-in-law who won't give you equal time with the grandchildren. Or loving your spouse, who is less than perfect and knows all of your imperfections. And there's no doubt in my mind, not even for a moment, that loving this mysterious spirit is much easier than loving ourselves. Yeah, we look in the mirror, how we've aged, huh? We look in the mirror and how we regret the things that we did or 
neglected to do. We know that we've hurt those that we truly love, and we hear voices, voices from the past. We're shamed by those voices, and then we are ashamed of ourselves, and we wonder, how can I, how can I love myself? Love is the command, and it's the only command that really amounts to anything because all of the other commandments come under that umbrella. Love is the command. But you're going to say, can love be commanded? Can you really command someone to love? Well, it depends on how we understand love. If we understand love as something that we fall into, you know, an attraction, a yearning to be intimate, an emotion, a commitment that's based on our feelings, then the answer is no. Love like that cannot be commanded. We will not have those feelings towards strangers or neighbors or our enemies. And yet Jesus told us that we should even love our enemies. The command, the only command that matters is love. Can love be commanded? Is love on demand? To answer that question, I'd like to visit a couple biblical passages to understand that eternal question, what is this thing called love? Jesus said that we're to love one another, but not, he didn't leave it there. He said, no, I want you to love one another as I have loved you, as I have modeled that love for you. Now, to love as Jesus loved had little to do with feelings, little to do with emotions. The love of Jesus had hands and feet, a love that was not defined by physical attraction, but by physical labor, foot-washing labor, feeding, healing, listening, touching, forgiving. The love that we are commanded to emulate is an action, not a feeling. My friends, you need to hear this very clearly. God will never ask anything from you that is impossible. God does not expect the impossible from you. God never said that we have to like people. We don't have to like the people we live with. We don't have to like the people next door. God does not expect or command us to like everyone on earth. That's impossible. I mean, really. Some people are not the least bit likable. On the contrary, some people are pretty self-centered and obnoxious. And I'm not even sure that God likes them sometimes. But you see, our calling, it's different. It has little or nothing to do with our opinion of them. They may not have earned our respect. They may not have earned our affection. But nonetheless, that Jesus fellow commands us to love them. So what is love? The Apostle Paul said in that famous 13th chapter of Corinthians, love is patient. Let's start there. Patient, kind, 
Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. Love does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. Love rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, hopes all things. Love never ends. Faith, hope, and love abide, these three, and the greatest of these is love. Love is compassion. Love is humility. Love is forgiveness. Red roses, red wine, dark chocolate are not a part of the equation. Yes, love can be commanded. And love is the command of God. It's not something we feel. It's something we do. And you might say, well, Pastor Jim, how can I love my ex-wife who cheated on me? Well, here's the deal. God never said you had to like her. God said love her. And that means you speak kindly to her and about her and never disparage her in front of those children. But how can I love my boss who treats me so unfairly? No respect from him do I get. Once again, you don't have to like your boss. God's not asking you to do something that's impossible. But in all your interactions, you should be respectful and you should not take part in office chatter around the water cooler that runs your boss down. But how can I love my neighbor who wears a MAGA hat? Or how can I like my neighbor who's further left than Bernie Sanders? Same answer. You don't have to like them. You don't have to agree with their politics. But if they want to borrow your lawnmower, do them one better and mow their lawn for them. You see, Jesus never asked you to like your enemy. That might be impossible. But Jesus commanded you to love them. Loving them, that's your calling. Liking them, if you like them, it's just a bonus. The command, the only command that matters the command that informs every action and every interaction of our lives is to love. And I'm convinced that love is the only chance we have. Love is the only chance humanity has of surviving. We must look outside of ourselves, look beyond our own self-interest, our own rights, our own entitlements, and learn to love. I said there are two parts of this. The command is to love, and that command comes from God. But ah, now we're at the second part, the choice. The choice is entirely yours. When it comes to love, you're totally a free being. No one, not even God, will make the choice for you. No one, not even God, will force you to keep this commandment. It is your choice, and it's a choice that must be made by you intentionally every single morning when you come out now and go into your bathroom to brush your teeth or comb your hair, you're going to see that sign. Intentionally make that decision. And then every time you interact with pathetic humans who are bound to betray you and disappoint you, you remember your command. What you do with it's up to you. It's entirely up to you. And I'm not sure that your choice will have any eternal consequences. After all, there's nothing 
we can do to make God love us more, and there's nothing we can do to make God love us less. But let's be very clear. That choice, the choice to love, to stand for love, to sacrifice for love, that choice will be one of the defining choices of your life. And that choice will have a significant impact on your family, on our shared community, and on the world that we're going to leave to our children and grandchildren. We have heard the command of God. The only command that really matters. What will we do with it? Will we stand for love? Will we make the choice to be more patient right now in this moment, more kind, more humble, less arrogant? You see, the umbrella of love is up. Will we invite others to come in, to take shelter and to bathe in God's grace with us? And can we learn to love ourselves? To see ourselves as we are, imperfect, but beautiful still, a child of God. Can we forgive ourselves? Can we make peace with our past? Can we really hear the words of Jesus as the bread and the wine are about to be given freely to you, given and shed for the forgiveness of sins? Forgive yourself. It's okay to be human. And then once you've done that, you turn that compassion to others. You forgive as you've been forgiven. There's a command. And there's a choice. I want to encourage you to let go of the sins of others. Because there's no value in holding on to that pain. There can be no abundant life until we learn to forgive. This is the choice. This is our challenge every day when we wake up. To heed the command of Jesus. The only command that matters. To love, to live, and forgive with no hard feelings. Stay right there in the spirit. We have a piece of special music for you. Sets me free. Will I be ready when my feet won't walk another mile and my lips give their last kiss goodbye? Will my hands be steady when I lay down my fears, my hopes, and my doubts? rings on my fingers and the keys to my house with no hard feelings when the sun hangs low 
pride in my chest won't be kept held at bay any longer when the jealousy fades away and it's ash and dust cash and lust and it's just
we lift our hearts now uh, to God, uh, Rich is going to lead us in the prayers. Each prayer, God of love, and our response, hear our prayer. Let us pray. Children and heirs of God's promise, holy and beloved, we pray for the church, the world, and all in need. God of kindness, we pray for the church around the world. Unite us in our love for you. Help us overcome our divisions that we might work together for your sake. God of love, hear our prayer. God of meekness, we pray for this hurting earth. Awaken in us a new desire to care for this world and empower us to support agencies, organizations, and individual efforts to heal our environment. God of love, hear our God of humility, we pray for nations of the world in any conflict. Inspire leaders to listen to each other and work toward peaceful solutions to disagreements. Protect the vulnerable, especially children, who cannot find safety in their home or country. God of love, God of compassion, we pray for all who live with mental or physical illness. Help them find appropriate care. Also, we give thanks for our loved ones who have died and pray for all who grieve today. Shine your grace on all your saints. Bring healing and wholeness when the path forward seems bleak. God of love, God of patience, we pray in thanksgiving for the service of all who serve far from home. Bless missionaries, relief workers, soldiers, and firefighters. Bless the families who are left behind to pray and wait. God of love, receive these prayers, O God, and those in our hearts known only to you. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you. you. Share a pandemic greeting with one another.
Thanks for sharing that greeting of peace. After the service is over, we'd encourage you to come on over in the gym for time of coffee and cookies and fellowship. Uh, there's also a station where you can get coffee and go right out in the courtyard. I don't think it's raining outside. If you nice spot to be out in the courtyard there as well. We'll try to keep the uh, air moving in the gym, but you're welcome to join us if you would like to do that. Uh, aren't the altar flowers beautiful behind me? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, if, you'd, if you've got a chance, you might want to come up after the service take a look at them. They're really quite amazing. Uh, Verna Lawson created them um, with a little help from God. And uh, <laughs> she put those together. But they're, uh, they're given by Ellen Edwards in uh, memory of Richard, her, her husband who died about a year ago. Richard was a great guy. He was always here power washing, doing something, cleaning up outside. Now go out and talk to him. He said, this is my second home. It's going to look as good as my first home. And Richard was a dear man, so we give thanks for that. We have a funeral service on Saturday at 11 o'clock for Lenora Eckert, who was a member of our church. There's a sign-up out there if you'd like to bake for that or if you'd like to serve. That would be uh, really helpful. And uh, news, I'll send out a missive about this this week, but next Sunday morning at 10.30, we're having a birthday party right here. Now, is, is Betty Galbraith there? Betty? Is Betty here? No, Betty's not here. It's her birthday today, but you've got to really qualify for this kind of a birthday party. Webb Halverson will be here. He was here, uh, Webb and his wife Marion came during the week, had a nice visit with them, and Webb is going to turn 103 next week. So, and his, uh, he married a younger woman. Uh, they were uh, high school sweethearts in Lake Geneva uh, before the war took them apart. But uh, Marion will be 102 in January. And they are both going to be here. And what I want you to do, know them or not, bring in a card. Everybody bring in a card. You can drop by the church during the week. You can mail it in. You can bring it on Sunday. And we are going to fuss over them a little bit. We're going to have a cake. And we're just going to really celebrate I guess it would be 205 years of life. Um, so um, Webb was, uh, Mr. Helverson was, uh, uh, came on Utah Beach, uh, Normandy, and uh, so we'll give thanks for that. Uh, okay, Deacon Amy, come on up. Good morning. Good morning. A lot of great things happening with our program year resuming. We have Sunday school and adult education between services at 9:10 every Sunday morning. Sunday school is meeting in the gym and adult ed meets down the hall in the fireside room. Lots of information about that and upcoming topics in your flyer. Uh, confirmation is starting up next Sunday. This is for our sixth to eighth grade students. We're having a meeting after the second service next week for students and parents. So if you have somebody in that age bracket, please be here next week and we're gonna go over the program for the whole year. Um, youth groups are meeting in person every week. Our middle school students are meeting on Wednesdays at four o'clock and our high school students will be meeting Tuesday evenings at seven. We'll be outside in the courtyard and enjoying each other's company during that time. Um, and then mark your calendars two weeks from today, October 3rd, is when we celebrate St. Francis. So we will be doing our annual blessing of the animals. During the second worship service, we invite your well-behaved pets <laughs> to <laughs> come and join us and receive a blessing during the service. We'll have more information about that next week. Thanks. All right. 
Sounds like great fun. Um, November 15th, 2009, the sanctuary is full. We had an ordination here that day. November 15th, 2009, Mark C. Cook, come on up. Chaplain, Lieutenant Commander Mark Cook. Konnichiwa, ohayo gozaimasu. That's about all as much as I know. Um, for those of you who, who don't know me, thank you for letting me share a little bit with you this morning. For those of you who know me, I'll try to be uh, not too long-winded. Um, it's good to see you all again, and it's good to see you three-dimensionally, because um, over in Okinawa, where my family is, uh, we have been worshiping with you uh, as often as we can, uh, as, as, uh, in our PJs, in our living room. Um, it's fun to actually be here in person. Jim, you preach really slowly when you're not on 1.5 speed. Uh, that's what, sorry, that's what, that's what my kids, that's what, that's what keeps the kids focused. And, uh, and, and Carl, there's only one of you, and your hair hasn't changed at all during the service. So we, we, were, we were, liked it early on when his hair changed lengths, and sometimes there were like multiple Carls in the, the forest. We're like, oh my gosh. So, um, all kidding aside, you might be saying, wait, why, why are you here, and where's the rest of your family, because we like them better. Um, uh, it's interesting, um, I, I think Jim had some fun with me, with the, or Carl did, with the, uh, you know, uh, creating me a new heart, or whatever, the, the, I forget what the hymn was, but, you know, make, change my heart, oh God, that's what it was. And uh, somewhere along the line, um, either the, the Navy broke my heart, or I broke my heart, and uh, I've had some um, instances of atrial fibrillation. So that's, for those of you who aren't doctors or have never had that happen to you, uh, I have a very strong heart that occasionally gets misguided. And so in order to guide my heart more properly, an electrocardiologist uh, did this procedure for me a couple weeks ago in San Diego. So they couldn't do it in Okinawa, they couldn't do it in Hawaii, uh, but they could do it in San Diego. So the Navy, God bless them, flew me uh, there and I got the procedure done. And uh, my 19-year-old daughter, who is here, it was my non-medical attendant. She's going to the University of Washington uh, this week. So it was also a double win to be able to see her off. Um, but as Jim said, uh, ordained here uh, November 15th, 2009. This has always felt like home to me. Um, this is a very special place. From here, uh, I went initially to Bangor, Washington to work with the submarines. Then I went from Bangor, Washington to work with Marines in North Carolina, then I went from North Carolina to Norfolk. Uh, Robin, am I pronouncing that right? I still don't know how to pronounce Norfolk. Uh, but we went there uh, to work with ships, and then from there uh, to a hospital in Okinawa, where I am uh, making the rounds as a hospital chaplain and uh, getting to work with doctors and nurses uh, during a, a pandemic of all times. My timing has been impeccable my entire Navy career. <laughs> I've gone to hot spot to exciting spot to exciting spot. Um, but um, just a quick word, thank you for your prayers um, for the, the US military. Uh, we are doing the best we can. Um, you hear, I, I don't know what your perception is from the news, and, um, but uh, there's some amazing people. I'm always amazed at the people that come into my office, the people that I minister to in the hospital rooms, um, fine, fine people of all walks of life. And um, the message today about loving your neighbor, um, the Navy has this interesting pragmatic type of love. Uh, if you can do the job, you're welcome here. 
And so in, in, that, in that regard, the Navy does a pretty good job of, of welcoming all types. Um, they do try to be inclusive and they try to say, hey, can you do the job? If you can do the job, we don't care how you worship, we don't care who you worship, we don't care who you love, we don't care any much about you if you can do the job. So we're doing pretty well uh, as best as, as we can, but there's this COVID thing and there's some friction about a vaccine. I'm sure you guys have not had that here at all. Um, <laughs> Anyhow, it, I, I, I've gone on uh, long enough, but if you would like to chat um, uh, later or I'll be around afterwards. I'm here for a couple more weeks. Oh, um, they do the procedure and they want to check up on me five weeks later and 10 weeks later and un unfortunately maybe 15 weeks later. So I'm going to be bouncing around the West Coast kind of waiting for my heart to settle down. Um, but um, it's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, three-dimensionally, as I said, it's nice to know you guys are, are, are more than just a flat screen. So, uh, grace and peace to you. Thank you, and uh, arigato gozaimasu. Thanks, Mark, uh, for most of what you said. Um, <laughs> we couldn't be prouder of you, Mark. Thank you for serving your God, and our nation. Thank you so much. Uh, we're also thankful Vivian sure is back, right in her assigned seat after being in the hospital and rehab. Vivian, welcome home. We're so happy to see you. Uh, now, word about Holy Communion. You are all invited to this table. In a few moments, the ushers are going to help you to come down the center aisle. You'll make your way towards the Little Jordan River there, uh, where you can remember your own baptism. You'll make uh, an altar out of your hand to receive the, uh, the host, the body of Christ, that will be put in your hand. There's also gluten-free if you need it. Go ahead and consume the body of Christ, and then you move out to the next station. Uh, at the next station, all in individual glasses, all grape juice to serve you uh, the blood of Christ. You go ahead and consume that, and then leave the empty uh, glass in the basket on each end. If you are not comfortable receiving the host, uh, you're welcome to just receive the, uh, the grape juice, and you will receive fully of the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the promise is that God is here with us, and we claim that promise as we share this meal together. And all are welcome. It makes no difference where you've been. You are always welcome at this table. If it's comfortable now, I would invite you to stand. We approach now a simple table where common elements of bread and wine await us. And as we do so, we remember that this is a table that welcomed our parents and our grandparents, a table that will welcome Christians of a variety of colors and denominations all across the globe this day. As we gather at this table, we remember a Thursday night in an upper room in Jerusalem. It was the night in which he was betrayed, and our Lord Jesus took the bread. He gave thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And again, after supper, he took the cup and gave thanks. He gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people. For the forgiveness of sin, do this for the remembrance of me. As often as we eat of this bread and drink of this wine, Jesus Christ has promised to be present with us. Let us pray now as he taught us to pray. 
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Our kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial. gifts of God for you, the people of God, all are welcome. Please come. You may be seated. As the grains of wheat once scattered on the hill were gathered into one to become our bread, so may all your people from all the ends of earth be gathered into one in you. As this cup of blessing is shared within our midst, may we share the presence of your love. As the grains of wheat, once scattered on the hill, were gathered into one to become our bread, so may all your people from all the ends of earth be gathered into one in you. Let this be a foretaste of all that is to come when all creation shares this feast with you. scattered on the hill were gathered into one to become our bread so may all your people from all the ends of earth be gathered into one in you You can play the game and you can act out the part Though you know it wasn't written for you Tell me how can you stand there with your broken heart Ashamed of playing the fool One thing can lead to another It doesn't take any sacrifice Oh, father and mother, sister and brother, if it feels nice, don't think twice, just shower the people you love with love. Show them a way that you feel. Things are gonna work out fine if you only Things are gonna be 
much better if you only will. You can run, but you cannot hide. This is widely known. And what you plan to do with your foolish pride when you're all by yourself alone. Once you tell somebody the way that you feel, you can feel it beginning to ease. I think it's true what they say about the squeaky wheel, always getting the grease. Better to shower the people you love with love. Show them the way that you If you only will Do as I say Shower the people you love with love Show them the way that you feel Things are gonna be much better If you only will Sing that with me Shower the people you love with love. Show them the way that you feel. Shower, you'll feel better right away. It don't take much to do. They say in every life, they say the rain must fall.
Now may the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen you and keep you now and always in God's grace. Amen. Fed and forgiven. You have been fed and forgiven. Now go out those doors to find your own place of ministry and service. Go out those doors to make a difference in the world. And as you go, may God bless you, keep you. May God's face shine on you and be gracious to you. May God look upon you with favor, give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And our closing uh, hymn is actually a prayer as well. Lord, be glorified in my life.